So now we're going to watch a video. If somebody could turn off the lights. Um, we realized we came into this Sunday with heavy hearts, um, just of the state of our nation. So we spoke a lot about what happened this week with the election, and Pastor Peter, although in Colombia, wanted to address us directly. So this is a video of Pastor Peter. Hey, church family. Uh, it's your pastor here. Um, by, the time, by the time you all uh, watch this video, I will actually be in Colombia ministering to a group of young adults uh, from all over Colombia and some parts of South America. Um, but um, I wanted to take a moment uh, today uh, to be able to share some thoughts in light of our presidential elections. Um, it, it pains me to not be here with you on this Sunday, um, processing and praying um, and just being together as a community. But um, I wanted to make sure that if I wasn't going to be here personally, that I would be able to share some thoughts with you. Um, before the presidential elections, as we spent some time talking about what it meant to be a follower of Jesus and to engage the issue of politics, um, I said, uh, among other things, two things. And I wanted to remind all of us of these two things and then add some additional thoughts. Um, first and foremost, I reminded all of us that on November 9th, regardless of who was elected, was sitting in the Oval Office, that the grave was going to be empty, that the kingdom of God would advance, and that Jesus Christ would still sit on the throne. Um, and secondly, that post-elections, that the church was going to have a ton of work to do, that we were going to find our country divided um, and hurting uh, racially, and that the church, the church in America would have to rise up and really be the church and embody the reconciling gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, and here we are. And I want to remind all of us again of those two truths. First and foremost, God is still on the throne. And I want to be really, really clear that when I say that, that I'm not offering some churchy platitudes devoid of any action. I want to be really clear that for those of us that truly believe that Jesus Christ still sits on the throne and that he rules and reigns with all authority, that doesn't compel us to sit on the sidelines and let sort of things go on without any involvement from us. Matter of fact, I want to remind all of us this morning that the knowledge that Jesus Christ sits on the throne and rules and reigns with all authority will actually motivate and compel us to action. That that truth and that knowledge will actually compel and motivate us to be advocates for justice, for reconciliation, for peace, and for love. And it is to the extent that we act because we believe precisely that Jesus Christ sits on the throne, that it is because of that theological conviction that we can move towards action, believing that what we do matters, and that it will have implications not just for now, but for all of eternity. It is that belief that Jesus Christ sits on the throne that will make us the most actively engaged people 
in this city and in this country. And so when I remind all of us that Jesus Christ sits on the throne, I remind us of that truth so that it will propel us towards action and for being agents of his kingdom here now. I also want to remind us that the church must rise up and be the church and lead the way in the reconciling work of Jesus Christ. We find ourselves in a divided country. And if any of us had any naive notions that we lived in a country devoid of racism, devoid of prejudice, we find ourselves fully alert and awake to the reality that we live in a country that is very much divided along racial lines. And the question now is asked, what is the response of the church? Will we sit on the sidelines? Will we bury our heads in the sand and pretend that we live in a city, in a country, that where there is racial harmony? Far from it. Far from it. We are reminded that we have a critical, important role to play. And I'll tell you this, church. I am reminded that our church and what our mission is to be a reconciling church is more important now than ever before. That what this country, what this city needs is a church that will embody the values of the kingdom and lead the way in this reconciling work of the gospel. We are the message. We don't just possess the message of the gospel. We are the message. People are looking to the church to see if there is an answer from us on what we need to do as citizens of the kingdom who live as citizens of this country and whether we will embody and work towards bringing people together motivated by Ephesians 2 that reminds us that in the gospel the dividing wall of hostility and enmity has been broken down so that people who have no business being together out there in the church would live the reconciling work of the gospel and embody that in our homes, in our workplaces, in our schools, and in our city, and in our country at large. My prayer is that you and I would realize that the church of Jesus Christ must lead the way in showing our culture and our country that what Christ came to do wasn't just reconcile us to God, but to reconcile us to each other. And that we need to lead the way. We need to lead the way. Some additional thoughts in light of the elections. Let's be present for those who are hurting, those who are confused, those who are distraught. The Bible says that a kingdom community living out the values of the kingdom rejoices with those who rejoice and mourns with those who mourn. We're also reminded by Paul that if one part in the body suffers and every part of the body suffers with it. I want to remind us that regardless of the differing views we may have had towards the election or towards the candidates, the way of Christ is that we simply sit and listen and mourn with our brothers and sisters, particularly of color, 
immigrants, maybe even our Muslim brothers and sisters who are hurting, who are angry, and who are in pain, and simply sit with them and mourn with them and hurt with them. That we be reminded that central to the gospel is the incarnation of Jesus Christ, Son of God actually becoming human and entering into a broken and fallen humanity to suffer with those who are suffering and to hurt with those who are hurting. So I want to remind all of us, church, to be the church and to look around. Look around us and in this church community and find those who might be hurting. And without pronouncements, without offering opinions, sit and mourn and weep and pray. And along with that, fourthly, listen, genuinely listen to each other. I reminded all of us that a big part of what it means to be the reconciling community is that we find ourselves with people unlike us to simply listen and to say the following words, tell me more, tell me more. How could I better understand where you're coming from? We might learn something or two about our world that might be difficult to grapple with. We might hear something, as we say, tell me more, that will challenge our worldview. We might hear some things that we didn't know about. We might, frankly, hear some things that might at first be offensive to our sensibilities. But when we take time to listen, when we attempt to take each other's perspectives, when we attempt to walk a mile in their shoes, we might learn a thing about or two, and perhaps a change might begin within us. So as we sit and mourn, asking folks, will you tell me more? What are your thoughts? And how could I learn from you? Just lastly, a couple more thoughts as I end. One is, please be reminded that we are gospel people. Please be reminded that central to our faith is a Savior who is crucified on the cross. And that ought to deeply humble us in the way that we interact with our enemies, with those that we disagree with us. Please be reminded that central to our faith is that in love, we speak truth and that we are humble in our approach with those who may have opposing views. But the gospel doesn't just humble us, but also keeps us from cynicism and fatalism. The same gospel also reminds us, church, that someday all evil, all injustice will be eradicated. We don't have to wish for that. We can believe that truth to be true because Christ defeated all evil and sin and even the enemy himself when he rose from the dead. And I say that because even as we await for his perfect justice to come, 
We don't sit on the sidelines, but that we rise up and we work for a more peaceful, more just world motivated by that very same gospel. So church, as your pastor, I remind all of us that we be gospel people in the midst of all of this, that we not be passive and that we not sit idly by, but that we be actively engaged and involved in working for a more just, more loving, more peaceful world, regardless of who is sitting in the office, and that we display in our lives together the reconciling gospel. One last thing. First uh, Timothy 2 reminds us to pray for our elected leaders. That's regardless of who's sitting in the office. The gospel calls us to pray that our leaders would administer their office with justice, with peace, and with love. Let's today pray for our elected officials that God would use them to be instruments of peace and justice and that they would not be instruments of wickedness and injustice. And we could certainly pray to our sovereign God that he would use our elected officials, local and national. I leave you with with this thought. Christ is coming again, and in the meantime, we are called to be his instruments, reconciling kingdom ambassadors here on earth. What can you do this week? Just start this week to bring more of his rule and his reign in your home, in your workplace, in your school. Let's begin there. Let's pray. Lord, um, as Pastor Peter said, in our hearts this morning, show us where to begin. Show us what to uh, live into in our homes and in our workplaces we pray, Lord, that you would be showing where we need to step out and risk more, be more bold, um, be more uh, a listening ear to different people in our spheres, in our lives, Lord. We ask that you would boldly move through us as a sent people in our community to advocate for um, those mourning and for those in hurting. Pray for that we would be of reconciled people, both modeling reconciliation and can show that to the world, but also inviting people to hear your gospel news. We thank you that you are sovereign. You are over everything. Um, The earth is yours. We are yours. We pray for our elected officials, Lord, both here and nationally, that you would work through them and break through uh, to their hearts and that you would capture uh, their hearts for you, that they would live out your mission in their offices, Lord. We thank you for all that you're doing in our lives, and we pray that we would go out boldly and be your people. Amen. So today, I, would wanna, I wanted to introduce Rachel Felice. Come on up, Rachel. Um, this was planned a long time ago, but I think it's really timely of God um, to pair this week and all that's going on with what we're going to talk about today. So, 
We're going to do an overview of open arms and what is happening there, as well as how we can engage with open arms as a community. And Rachel's going to lead us through that. Rachel is the new executive director for open arms, and she's going to um, describe all the different changes that are happening there and have some different elements for you. Thank you, Caitlin. I'll come over here. Um, good morning, new community. Um, good morning. The rest of the service today um, is in honor of uh, National Hunger and Homelessness Awareness Week. Um, I'm going to stand right over here. Thank you. The, the cause to, to fighting uh, homelessness and poverty and hunger has been extremely important to new community as, uh, as leadership and uh, congregation. And from all the efforts, basically from near the very beginning of new community, there have been investments through efforts to, to help those experiencing homelessness and um, having programs and staffing and um, just each year faithfully sustaining and investing in, in this cause, um, which is um, how we are where we are today with a... Uh, um, a new nonprofit that has been formed from the efforts of new community. Um, that is Open Arms Ministry, and our mission statement is Open Arms Ministry supports and partners with those struggling with homelessness, poverty, and food insecurity to enhance human dignity, community, and opportunity. Um, the scripture I would like to read is Isaiah. 58, 6, and 7. I'm sorry if you can't uh, see it. I will read it for you. Um, For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Is not this the fast that I choose? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him? and not to hide yourself from your own flesh. Um, Last week, you got to hear from a couple of our um, team members, and um, they showed you a slide of the past and present with, uh, with open arms. And today, we are going to talk about um, what is presently happening and some next steps for the, for the future. Um, today, you will hear in this service uh, people that are involved, staff, board, uh, volunteers that have uh, been involved and served. And you will hear what is happening in the programs, um, the situation in Chicago. And as you listen um, to the different um, various parts of the rest of the service, my prayer is for all of us that we just allow God to, to speak to us, to minister to us, to consider God's heart for the poor and how we should um, and how we can respond um, to God's heart. I would like to now invite up our first panel of people that will be sharing um, as they have been involved and how God has prepared them to share with you today. So if uh, Antoine, Lynn, Tom, Bridget, Dana, Sam, Tony, and Ella, if you can come on up.
Um, I will let Antoine introduce himself. Um, but uh, every, um, each one of us have chosen some verses that um, are important to us as we speak on this issue. Um, I will read Matthew twenty-five thirty-five through 40. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Thank you, Antoine. Thank you, Rich. Good morning, church. Um, I'm Antoine uh, Mitchell. My, I, my uh, role at Open Arms is uh, security uh, slash whatever else they, Dave has me doing. Um, <laughs> In my role and my position, uh, I'm the first person that our guests see when they enter the doors at Open Arms. And uh, to me, ministry is all about relationships. You know, and uh, oftentimes the guys and girls that come through Open Arms get forgotten and overlooked, you know, in in our world, our neighborhood, our, you know, just day-to-day life. And... uh, we need to be intentional about our relationships with these guys and girls that come through open arms uh, because I tell you, they are some great people. I, I've made some great relationships in my year and a half of being part of open arms ministry, uh, just sitting down, having conversations with the guys and the girls that come and the life stories that they have and the wisdom that they can impart, uh, believe it or not, on, on us, you know, if we take the time to listen, you know, so... So my three-minute spiel is, is just uh, build relationships, be intentional about those relationships, and love each other as, as uh, Christ loves us. Amen? Uh, first time I volunteered for, um, at Open Arms, um, no one talked to me, and I didn't talk to anybody. Um, relationship building for a white guy who's old is slow. Uh, but they let me fill the sugar and the cream. And I, and I discovered that at Open Arms, you have a lot of, a little bit of coffee with the sugar in the morning. It's great. Uh, I, did, I did get elevated to cooking one day. And uh, so I came in and what was on the menu, and Nelson was chopping onions and peppers. And he pointed to the, to the sign and, yep, we're going to have pork and we're going to have beans and rice and with vegetables. And then I discovered that the pork was 20 ounces of pork for 45 guests. And then I learned that we didn't have any rice. Uh, so I was digging uh, through the pasta thinking maybe, you know, under, under there there would be some rice. And sure enough, two pounds of brown rice. So we had, oh, and by the way, Nelson quit on me because he was so disgusted with 20 ounces of pork. He just left. And so we're, ch- and then, then I looked around for the beans, and there was 20 cans of beans that had been somehow migrated from the pantry to open arms. 
So I'm cooking the rice, and then I've chopped up the, the pork, and so we got a little flavor. And then, and then Country came in and says, what's the problem? And he said, you need, I said, I need rice. He said, I'll get you rice. And he walks into the room, and he comes back out with two more pounds of rice. And so we got rice, and then we got 20 cans of beans, and we got 20 ounces of pork. And then he says, what you're going to need is gravy. And I don't know how to make gravy out of nothing, so, but with a little bit of pork we had and a bag of flour, we made gravy, and we had enough to feed everybody. Felt like blows and fishes that morning. Then I got elevated <laughs> to food distributor, 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 say that quickly. And um, so blue jeans and T-shirts and hoodies and T-shirts, what? Oh, clothing, yeah, so clothing distributor, okay. So I give out T-shirts and jeans and so on. And uh, there are a number of women who had come, and, uh, and there was always enough uh, men's socks and men's briefs and they would come to the table, and they would kind of look around, and, and they needed a pair of socks, and they sure could use some underwear. And So I was telling Lucy about these women wearing men's underwear, and she ran to, uh, to Unique and got a bag of women's pants, underpants. So the next week I came, and, um, and um, Sam came, and he says, I don't need anything, but my wife could use something in... And I said, I think what you might want is in that bag. And he said, wow, really? Could I have two pair? Yes, you certainly can. And then another lady came by, and she was just trying to kind of, you know, how do you tell a guy that you need some underwear, and all the underwear you got is men's briefs, size extra large? And I just said to her, I think they're in the bag. And she opened the bag up, and she said, oh, Oh, thank you. God bless you. God bless you. I got great big hugs and kisses for a little bit of dignity to wear clean underwear of your own choice. That's what happens at open arms. Then I got elevated, and now it's my last quick story. I got elevated to part-time truck driver once we inherited the pantry. Carl Dahlstrom and I share that duty, and if anybody would like to share that duty with us, I'd love to have you. But, uh, so you go down to the Chicago Food Depository, and, uh, and they uh, load the van, and they loaded it with two very large pallets of food, and then there was leftovers, so they stuffed the back with eggs, and, and then they had to put all the cornflakes in the dry passenger seat, and there was a, the van was stuffed. I could hardly, I could not see out to drive home. And then I looked at the bill. There was over two and a half tons of food there for 114 bucks. Feed a lot of people with that. Thank God. Um, The verse that I was asked to share is, I mean, it's my verse. Hillary Clinton actually said this uh, on uh, the day after the election. Let us not grow weary in well-doing. For in due time, we shall reap a harvest if we do not lose heart. Morning, Newcom. I'm Tom. Uh, I have the privilege of cleaning this beautiful building. And 
also the privilege of working with a lot of people who are uh, very committed to seeing change and working towards change. And it's a privilege to be around uh, a lot of uh, committed and uh, inspired people who, who help motivate me when I need it. And I need it. Uh, so, so there's a lot of humor involved in what we do in the, in the kitchen and, and on the floor. And there's some, there's some uh, sadness, too. And uh, I'm going to take you back five years to November 11th, two days ago, um, 2011, when a very close friend of mine uh, went out and chose to use. And it was his last choice. And his name was Kevin Brady. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just uh, torn apart this weekend. Uh, I miss Kevin. He was a friend of mine. Uh, I knew him before either of us became uh, attendees at the Warming Center on diversity. And if you want a challenge to work in a kitchen, go over to that kitchen and look at the space that uh, it's not a kitchen any longer. It never really was. It was a couple of microwaves and uh, at least one hot plate and uh, a very small family-sized rice steamer. Um, anyway... Uh, in the fellowship, uh, there's kind of a determination that uh, if you die of uh, an overdose, you have lost the race, and you didn't make it. But I'm here to tell you that Kevin Brady made it. Kevin got clean. He was studying theology when he passed away, and uh, Kevin was a winner, and I miss him. Um, we have, we have uh, a beautiful new kitchen that, that we've worked on, and it's going to uh, get redone again uh, by professionals who uh, are going to transform it into a full-service culinary facility. Uh, I'm trying to uh, work with the l lack of power, lack of equipment to produce 150 meals a week approximately, uh, trying to instill in some of the people, the volunteers that we have in the kitchen and, and into the guests, some respect for the food. Uh, this is a career I've had for 35 years. I was working in the restaurant trade since 72. I started as a dishwasher. I worked my way onto the prep line and then uh, onto the broiler and the saute. And I became a sous chef in 83, certified at the East Bank Club. Uh, and I thought that uh, that was the top shelf, but I'll tell you what, uh, I, have never, uh, I have never felt more satisfaction in the 35 years in the restaurant trade than I feel in one day cooking at Open Arms. And there's this sublime moment when I got uh, Marshall Tucker Band on the CD player. I have a CD player back there. And uh, and we're plating up the food, and there's 24 plates that fit on these two beautiful stainless steel banquet tables. And uh, the plates look just like they're supposed to, just like we were setting up a, a buffet or a banquet in a hotel in the back kitchen. And I use a lot of the same techniques that I was taught by some masters, and I get to hand those down to uh, people that aren't, aren't familiar with them, 
And it's a, it's a really rewarding experience. You, you really got to come in and check it out. Uh, we need your help. And we need your help on the floor talking to guests and uh, bringing hope into the room. Because that's what's helped transform my life. And I got to say that, that uh, one, of the, one of the best things about being uh, a volunteer in, in open arms and, and being involved uh, here in the building for uh, many hours a week is being around the kids. Uh, we had the privilege this summer of having Dave and Amy's kids there for a full week. And uh, Tony and Sam and Ella are here every Wednesday helping us bag up the bread. And we have a lot of bread coming in. Uh, we've had some challenges just storing that bread. So uh, we, need, we need help with, with uh, all of the handwork that it takes to, to resuscitate this food excess. It's not waste. It's just excess, and there's a tremendous amount of it here. Uh, so with that, I'm going to read my, uh, one of my uh, mantras, I guess. I don't want to use that word. Uh, one of my uh, favorite pieces of Scripture from Thessalonians 5. First uh, Thessalonians 5, chapter 5. Um, and it really hits home for a person in recovery, and I hope for all of us. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Jesus Christ for you. Uh, so my name is Bridget, and I've been undergoing some transition, um, some change. When I moved to Chicago about seven years ago, uh, quite frankly, I came here with little to no regard for homeless people. And I met a man that uh, Tom has referenced, Kevin Brady. And I heard him share one Sunday morning his testimony. And he shared a little bit about his experience with homelessness, his experience with addiction, and his experience with how the church had come around him and loved him. And in particular, through the warming center that now is called Open Arms. And I was humbled by this man. And in time, Kevin and I were in community group together. And we walked in community for two years together. And during that time, Kevin was a tremendous bridge for me, helping me to navigate some very uncomfortable waters, talk to some folks that I probably wouldn't have talked to otherwise, and I think God used Kevin to put that first crack into my heart that was so hardened towards homeless people. Over the years, I've been involved in a lot of different ministry to the homeless folks in our community. Um, but I've been pretty intentional about staying in the periphery, working in places where I didn't actually have to engage with folks. Until this past winter when I found myself unemployed for several months, and I had finally run out of excuses for why I couldn't be in the drop-in center. So I started going twice a week and helping out there, and quickly began forging some relationships with the guests at the, at the drop-in center. And when they found out that I was unemployed, they said, hey, Bridget, why don't you come with us to the Wednesday night community dinners that we used to host here at Newcom? So started going there, too, and then they said, hey, Bridget, you know, we hang out at this park. Why don't you come in and hang out with us sometime? 
So I started hanging out with them at the park and realized that before long, I was hanging out with guests of the Warming Center three, four, five times a week, and I could see a pretty big shift. Um, there's just one experience that I wanted to share with you guys this morning that was very impactful for me. There was one night that I was rushing to the grocery store trying to get there before they closed to pick up a couple things for the following day. And I ran into a guy that I know from the drop-in center. We had really bonded over cooking in the kitchen. And when he saw me, he announced, hey, Bridget, I'm going to buy your groceries for you tonight. This is a man who was serving with me in the drop-in center, but who is also a guest and receiving services from this same place. So I tried to shrug him off and said, nah, man, nah, it's cool, I got it, I got it, don't worry about it, I, I can pay for my own stuff. But he insisted, he said, no, I'm going to pay for your groceries tonight, go in and get your stuff, I'll be in in a minute to pay for that. So I ran through the grocery store, grabbed everything that I could, flew to the cashier with my credit card out, hoping that I could just pay quick before he got a chance to get in and take care of business. But he saw me, and he came running in, and he slammed that money on the counter, and he said, I'm paying for your stuff tonight. And I went home, and I remember texting my sister and saying, a homeless man just bought me my groceries. So I share that with you as just one example of the many that the folks in this community cared for me while I was there. And I just really want to encourage you to find your own Kevin Brady your own person who can be that bridge and help you navigate those waters that are a little uncomfortable. They're murky and it's not a place that you would go on your own so that you can also experience some of the richness that I have found in this community. Hi. Um, my kids and I are started um, volunteering on Wednesdays um, in the summer when summer started, and um, we've been able to continue as it went from a two-day-a-week pantry now to the one day. And um, I've been looking for some way to serve with the kids that was that was safe um, for a while, and so was thrilled when we bought the building and we. I, you know, found out that we have this food pantry. Um, I, uh, for a period of time when I was a child, my family and I were in government housing. We also received food stamps. And so um, I remember what it's like to have, um, like, a slab of government cheese, if anybody else has ever had the government cheese. <laughs> we called it something else, but I'm not going to say it here. Um, <laughs> And saltines in the house. Um, so uh, I, I know what it is to struggle. And um, even though we, I, we struggled even as parents to provide at times for our kids, our kids have a lot. And I think Pastor Peter's really good in this church about um, really reminding us that we are among the wealthiest people in the world. Um, but I still wanted them to have the opportunity to see... Um, to see that they are privileged and to be able to give instead of constantly receiving. So this is a way we've been able to do it. Um, um, the kids, um, Sam wanted me to tell you that he enjoys helping people, and that's why he likes being at the pantry. Um, I had two verses that 
I don't have a smartphone. <laughs> that I wanted to share with you. Second uh, Corinthians 8 and 9, and also 14 to 18. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. Right now you have plenty and can help those who are in need. Later they will have plenty and can share with you when you need it. In this way, things will be equal. As the scriptures say, those who gathered a lot had nothing left over, and those who gathered only a little had enough. And so this is kind of my way of giving back, too, for all the times that other people have have helped me throughout my life. I work with... Me and my brothers have been at the open arms thing for I don't know how long. I really love talking to people. Indeed, I can't stop talking. (laughs) Um, I don't think that's just my own opinion. (laughs) One of my favorite conversation starters is, do you have a pet? Because I do have a pet. I find... It's worked for me. It seems to have worked for me because I, I have two pets by now, and I love telling bonbon stories. Um, my dog. But, yeah, I love talking to people. There was an elderly woman. I haven't the faintest clue what her name is. Um, but we would just talk for hours. She would tell me stories. And I realized she was Christian after... Our fifth encounter beats me. But I found out she was Christian, and I didn't, I didn't know where she went. All I knew is that she came here, and when she did, she would give me and my brothers treats. Um, but I really liked her, and yeah, she, she seemed to be one comfort that I had in talking to people because it's just a constant stream of people. I'm usually working in the vegetables. Hi. um, What I enjoy doing at Food Pantry is also making conversations with people. And I enjoy giving the food out because... It's not thinking about yourself, and it's thinking about others. And what I do in my community Bible school, CBS, we're learning about First and Second Corinthians, about thinking about others. That's what I like. Before we move on, I would also like to take this opportunity to um, acknowledge and recognize um, many other volunteers of you that are out here today um, that we didn't have time to to hear from from everybody. Um, I would like to thank uh, Joni Emerson, Shasa Ward, Kimmy Noonan, Carl Dahlstrom, Lisa Choi, Chris Chow, Jamie Bonds, David Howe, Ken Lee, Edwin Lawrence, Daniel Espada, and 
anybody out there that helped move this, helped us with the move this summer. And if I didn't say your name, my apologies. But if you could all please stand up so we can see you and give you a round of applause. I also need to take just one special moment um, to, to recognize one special volunteer um, as we have gone through the transition um, and staff and board and volunteers have just given extra time above and beyond to go through this transition. Um, uh, you, you think that of staff and you think that of, of the board, um, but truly, as, as Lynn talked about, being elevated multiple times and being asked um, in every role, even filling staff roles when needed, he has truly just been filling in in every capacity that I can even possibly imagine. Thank you, Lynn. I hope you have been encouraged these last few minutes to hear some stories and hearts of the people that are involved. And I hope you feel like there's a space for all of us in the journey as new community is supporting and partnering in such a significant way with Open Arms Ministry. Last uh, Last week, um, we had some cards, uh, response cards, um, that we asked some questions and gave you a chance to ask questions to get feedback, um, asking you how homelessness affects you, um, asking about your involvement, past and, and present, um, and getting your feedback. And first of all, your feedback was so encouraging. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your thoughtful questions. Um, we, as we continue the service, we will um, maybe address some of those through what we share. Um, we also um, will, uh, with our um, website and newsletter, um, start to address those um, questions. Also, of course, please come talk to us if you have, um, if you want us to talk to you directly about any questions you have. Um, and. As you guys shared about where you are with how homelessness affects you and your involvement, um, I just want you to feel encouraged and, and loved that as a church family, we are in this journey together. And Open Arms Ministry sees it as our part also to serve you and to, to help you see where you can best fit. And later on, we will, we will share more, um, more about that. I also want to um, just say one more time thank you to Antoine, Bridget, Lynn, Tom, Tony, Sam, Ella, and Dana for sharing today. Thank you so much. So forming a nonprofit... I have heard has not been easy. Um, that was before I came on the scene. Um, I've been with uh, 
Open Arms Ministry for two months, and I know there's been so many people working on this for months and months. So I want to um, share with you exactly um, who is the board of directors, and you will learn more about um, the staff as well. Um, so first, I don't know, where's the, okay. Pastor Caitlin, um, I want to say first a big thank you to Pastor Caitlin um, for her leadership, for her vision, for her wisdom in leading the way for the birth of Open Arms. You have been an amazing mentor to me, so thank you. I know that uh, Daniel Espada and Hao Lao um, spoke last week and shared. I just gonna, I'm just going to say a couple of words about them personally. Um, Daniel Espada, he, his heart is to love God by loving people. Um, he is passionate to see our guests supported in a way that encourages them to take one step at a time. In a meeting I had with him when he discussed what were the best ways to help, he said to me, Let's love them so much that we meet our guests where they are, and let's love them too much to let them stay where they are, like Jesus does for us. Hao Lao, I've been doing community life with him um, in my small group for uh, two years now, and my small group is amazing as they have um, helped me grow my heart for, for open arms um, and in teaching me what it means to invest in this way and how has been a huge role in that way. Um, I've seen him just pursue his faith and conviction and allow the spirit to lead him. And I, and he's been involved. He's taken leadership. Um, he does our IT, which is awesome. (laughs) And all of those, I just think that's why he has persevered with the causes of open arms and, and is now serving in this capacity. Um, so I'm sorry, I, I forgot. Uh, Daniel Espada, if you can stand up so we can say thank you. And Hao Lao, if you can also stand up. Sheila Frost is our vice president on the board. In all my meetings with Sheila, I have been so impressed with her organizational functioning and strategic planning, which are just a couple of her strengths. She's a professor of St. Augustine College in the social work program. She's attended NUCOM for 11 years. She has served on a board for another similar organization, and she's serving with Open Arms Ministry because her heart breaks knowing that there are people in Chicago struggling to fulfill their basic needs. I am so thankful for Sheila and how she has just helped us even begin looking at strategic planning and um, making our plans for uh, fundraising and, and other efforts. So Sheila Frost, if you can please stand up. Uh, Laura Nair, she's not with us today. I believe she's on vacation. Um, She is our secretary and all things marketing and graphic design. Uh, These are the strengths that I've recently benefited from, but prior to serving with her with with Open Arms Ministry, my interactions with her was that she has a servant's heart and willing to do any task, 
one day I was in the fellowship hall and I saw her going through these old, old boxes of stuff. And I didn't know what she was doing at the time, but she was going through some boxes that was um, affiliated with the pantry and just nobody was there. She was by herself just organizing and sorting these, um, these boxes. And, um, she, she serves on the board because she believes that open arms ministry is important in carrying out the mission and gospel of Christ. Um, she knows it's an integral part of new community's history and was, that was what first attracted her to new community. She, she, um, she served in the warming center in 2008 and that was where she found community here. She's not with us today, but, um, please, uh, tell her thank you when you, when you see her. Lucy Oliver is our president on the board. Um, I've also been doing life with her um, for the last two years in small group. I was, my two years when I came here, I was sitting by myself, and she said, Hi, do you want to join our small group? And I said, Yes, thank you. And, <laughs> and that was such a saving grace for me. Um, Lucy and Lynn, her husband, They have been integral in teaching our small group what community is and how to let everybody around you know that you are loved by God. Any issues on social injustices break her heart and compel her to action. She will organize and set up anything as a huge labor of love so that those in need can have what they need and can know God's love. And she's really good at getting things done, and she gets things done well. Lucy is currently quote-unquote retired for her professional career. She was a high school and college counselor for 30 years. She is mother of two sons and a grandmother of five grandchildren, all under four. She has attended New Community for three years and has been in the Covenant denomination since college and loves the denomination focus. She has experience in serving on a community food pantry and thrift store and wants to use her gifts, experience, and flex time by serving as president of the board. I would now like to invite Lucy up to share more about why she is on the board. I'm sorry, I made one little mistake. Also, I would like to invite Dave Verdon and Andrina Logan up to the stage. Shortly, I will introduce um, the paid part-time staff that we have with Open Arms Ministry. Um, My story is a very rare story. I grew up I grew up in northern Minnesota in a a pocket of poverty. And the churches that my parents came from in Pennsylvania had canning factories from the World War II. They had canned fruits and vegetables to send to Germany. And so when the war was over and that was no longer needed, they put it in trucks and sent to the little churches that were in Minnesota. So the picture I have this week is my father uh, putting 
cases of peaches and applesauce in the back of our station wagon, and we would all go to church. And he would carry those down the steps, and they would all be gone, and then we would do that again. So here I am with cases of food. Thank you. I would like to introduce an amazing team. This is uh, totally God's grace and intervention. We were very uh, new and almost desperate as an open arms board. We knew we had to hire people fast. We were without a pantry director. We needed someone who could um, walk through the detail, and we knew that we had Dave and Amy, and we were incredibly thankful for them. I will... um, introduce you to their specialties and their gifts. I also want to say that Antoine works for us almost half time as our security guard for both the pantry and the drop-in center and um, is invaluable. Tom also works for us part-time to keep the building and the bathrooms clean as we have almost um, 200, 250 people in and out of the building in three days. I apologize, I've lost the notes I took on Dave, but I think I can tell you. Um, Dave? Um, Dave studied at Moody um, and did uh, some work in um, biblical studies and urban planning. And he is the father of two girls, along with Amy, a committed and devoted parent. Um, The things that uh, we value highly about Dave and Amy is their faithfulness, their hard work, their diligence. They have not let us down. They've stayed when any other person would have uh, closed the doors and said, I can't work in this situation. And they have loved their guests um, as Jesus did. Amy has a degree from Moody in music um, and is a good organizer. If any of you have looked at the Christmas list, you can note how well she has put that together. Um, And so they work together in a part-time position, just a little over half-time, and pull all of the drop-in ongoing operations together for us. Andrina is also a gift from God. Um, We had no idea how we could hire a person who uh, had the organizational skills that we needed as a a 15-hour-a-week position. Andrina has a four-year degree in managerial communication, she has worked um, full-time her, full li- her whole life. She has four adult children and seven grandchildren. She worked in finances um, and accounting and grant writing. And she is now our pantry coordinator of uh, 15 hours a week, and we wish we had her for more. She- <laughs> um. Rachel is an amazing woman. Um, she has a degree in marketing and finance. Her last name is Felis, by the way, Rachel Felis. 
She um, worked. She has worked as an ESL teacher for 11 years. She also did full-time mission work in Italy. She's multi or multilingual. Um, the number one thing I love about Rachel is she is committed to the core to follow Jesus and has put her life on the line for him and has made some very hard choices to be our, our director. So we have amazing leadership skills. We have asked each of uh, the people on stage to share both personally why they're here in, a few min- in two minutes each about, and then they will come back and tell you about some statistics and their program. Hello, everyone. All right. It's been a long time since I've been up here. I don't, I've never actually been up here in our new building um, talking to everybody, so this is kind of cool. It's a little less intimidating than the other setup. So um, anyway, so yeah, a lot of you know me and my wife, Amy. My wife, Amy, um, wasn't able to make it this morning. Um, as Lucy mentioned, we have two lovely, lovely little kids who don't always sleep on Saturday nights. Um, so... It was kind of rough last night, but we're, I'm here. Uh, Amy had to stay home with the kids again. Um, but I'm going to uh, represent us. Me and my wife, Amy, uh, we share a position running the Open Arms Drop-In, which many of you long-timers know it as the Warming Center and still call it that. Um, and I want you to start calling it the Open Arms Drop-In. We've, we've changed it to Open Arms a long time ago. Um, and then Open Arms um, means, you know, the, the food pantry and the drop-in now. So just for clarity... Um, it's called the open arms drop-in or just the drop-in, but the warming center, um, uh, I still think of it that way. Sometimes I slip up, but we need to hold each other accountable. It has a new name. It's had a new name for a long time. So it's the drop-in. Um, so me and my, me and my wife, yeah, we, we, um, we've been doing this for a long time and we started volunteering eight years ago. Uh, I think it's about eight years ago when it was the warming center on diversity, the little place that Tom was talking about without any kind of kitchen. And we started volunteering because... Uh, I don't know, we, we've always been drawn to that kind of ministry, and um, some staff positions shift around in the church, and this, this opening came up, and me and my wife both applied for it separately, and um, for some reason they decided to hire us together, and, or they offered it together, um, and we were like, sure, we'll share a part-time position together as a team, and we've been, we've been doing it ever since, and um, um, so uh, we loved it, and it's been a lot of transitions. We've moved a couple of times, um, and now we're um, part of a nonprofit. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, we do it just because we, we've always cared for this city. We've cared for the people in this city who have the least amount of resources, um, and we know that there's got to be a way to help people who don't have anything, who don't have food, who don't have clothing, who don't have money. That shouldn't mean that they. Um, that shouldn't mean that they should have to suffer all the time. So um, we have to do something about it, and it's, I think it's at the core of the gospel um, and the heart, heart of Christ to do that. I just want to share a really quick. Um, I, was, I was told to share a life verse, so I have First uh, John four twelve. Um, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and His love is made complete complete in us. Um, and, uh, that's a really important verse for me because, uh, you know, if we want, if we want people to see that Christ is real and that God is real, um, what we need to do is we need to love one another. We need to love people. We need to stand in solidarity with people who are hurting and suffering and oppressed and who don't have the things that they need. Um, that's how we show the world that God is real, that Christ is real, um, not through arguments and, and, Knowing doctrine and theology, I mean, I went to Moody, and you learn a lot of good stuff there, but ultimately, 
Nothing, nothing of that nature is going to prove that God is real. People are going to see God when you love them, when you see people hurting, and you do something about it instead of just uh, talking about it and figuring out whether God is sovereign or not. Um, if you actually step up and you do something and you see somebody who's hungry and you give them food, um, people will see that God is real. Um, so... Uh, hi, Nukam. Um, uh, I like to start out with my verse, if you don't mind. Uh, Carry one another's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. And um, that has um, been a verse in my heart uh, for a while, uh, because uh, before uh, I became a Christian, and long, well, when I was growing up, then uh, there... Uh, there was a woman uh, in my neighborhood that uh, gathered me and a bunch group of girls together in her home, and she taught us Bible verses, and she would uh, pray with us about things that were going on. And, and uh, she helped me uh, carry uh, burdens, uh, that things that I was carrying around, um, and she showed me the love of Christ uh, I have, uh, my parents were divorced early, and so there, we had hardships in, in, in my household, and uh, my brother and I actually, uh, when we speak of uh, food and food insecurities, I've had to watch uh, my mother, uh, as she was trying to get us food, we were in line. I, I can't remember what type of uh, line it was. It was maybe to receive food stamps or whatever, but uh, they must have run out, and they were turning people away, and my mother was refusing to leave the line. And uh, she was actually arrested that day. Uh, the police officers, they did not uh, take her down to the station because my brother and I were crying, so... but. Um, during that, uh, that was, that really was heavy on me. And it's interesting that now I would be involved in the uh, food pantry and distributing food in that way and how that comes about. But regarding how I came to, um, to really, I, I see people, or I see homeless all the time. Um, in working, I work downtown. I used to work uh, downtown full time, and I just seeing them. I, my husband, <laughs> I never could keep cash in my purse because I would always give it away. And uh, my husband would he would always say, "If I give you this, you're just going to give it away," <laughs> you know. So, but um, that was okay because I knew that people people are hurting, and. Um, with me going, um, like I said, going downtown, when I came here to Newcom and found out about what it was called the Warming Center, I, uh, someone invited me to go to their Friday night outreach. And that uh, really impacted me. And I used to love getting those, um, the bags. What was the bags of love? Yes, the bags of love. And in that way, I could uh, give those out to the homeless and and so I, I really, uh, based on my own experience of, you know, sometimes, well, the hardships in my family and then just uh, seeing them uh, every day, um, 
our uh, our city is full of homeless. Uh, it it's really really prevalent uh, all around um, because I you know well from what I see. But um, so when we carry we carry their burden. So God has laid laid on my heart that I you know carry their burdens and. In this way, I, it's a tangible way for me to live out uh, my loving God. It's a tangible way for me to love God. I, be, I, I can become his, his hands or his, his heart. Or uh, I'm not good at, you know, communicating or, well, I'm not good at conversating or talking a lot. But I, I really praise God for being able to help in some way. Um, as a new Christian um, uh, years ago, then I had asked God once uh, what my gifts or how I could uh, be used of him. And in my heart, I only heard this one word, and it was help. So I know uh, as going through the scriptures, I've seen that uh, as one of the uh, gifts of the Spirit or you know, ways in which God uh, uses. And that's basically what I try to do. I just try to help. Uh, when I see a need, then I, I just try to help. And so I thank God for it. Um, so if you ask me how I came on staff at um, Open Arms Ministry, and, I'm, and if I'm joking around, I might tell you by accident. Um, but it wasn't by accident. God did lead me, and he has been leading me um, to this place to join staff um, for the cause of um, fighting um, with poverty and hunger and homelessness. Um, my background has been with, with ministries and nonprofits, um, it's been more on uh, the evangelistic side, evangelizing, sharing my faith, um, one-on-one relationships, uh, Bible studies. Um, I, I come from that background of just sharing the gospel, sharing your faith, and um, and the the justice part, the doing, uh, fighting social injustices. I wish I could say that was my background, but it's not. Um, but I've been in the city for um, eleven years. And I've been coming to New Community for two years, and, um, and I've just been listening. I really have. I've just been listening, and I've been learning, and I've been understanding. And I love Chicago. I, I just I want to be here. Um, I love it. It's a great city. Um, but I don't like that it's not a great city for everybody. And I want it to be a great city for everybody. And so... The last, um, the last uh, uh, few years, um, I've just been as I've last few years as I've been out of ministry, you know, um, in, a, in a significant ways. Um, I've been wondering, God, what what what's next? How do you want me to serve you? Um, so, um, I've just been just been praying and thinking and listening and watching and um, and I really want to be part of a team with New Community, be part of a team with Open Arms Ministry, and, and make um, Chicago better, make, make lives better. Um, I believe that we, are to be a, that we have been blessed because 
we are too blessed. And so Genesis 12 is really a big verse for me. Um, when God tells Abraham that, that he's going to bless Abraham to be a blessing. And I think just because it says that that's to Abraham, for me, I've just taken that, that as we have been so richly blessed, how we can, how we can bless, um, bless others. So um, that is why I have joined, um, joined staff with, uh, with Open Arms. Um, now I've been told that we have very, just a few short minutes left. Um, so we're going to just give you some facts and some program uh, information and, um, and let you know how you can connect with us um, for, the ne- for the next steps. I'm going to pass to Dave. All right, I will condense some of the things I prepared. I kind of had a feeling this might happen, so um, I think I'll be able to pull this off. So yeah, I wanted to kind of, I did this last year, and I spent a lot more time on it, but I'll be a little more brief. Um, I, I want to share some information, some facts about homelessness, um, particularly in Chicago. Um, I think um, it's, it's, it helps to know um, why we do this. Uh, it helps to just know what's going on and why, why we're doing this. So, because there's so many people and what their needs are and the demographics. So I'm going to give you some numbers here. Um, the Chicago Coalition for the Homeless, they do a lot of really in-depth, meaningful studies um, that kind of give us good information about the homeless situation in Chicago. Um, and so according to a study they did uh, through 2015, fall of 2015 and spring of 2016, um, the total number of homeless people, or, or total number of people who experienced homelessness during that period of time uh, is 125,802. That's in the city of Chicago. That's not nationally or Illinois. City of Chicago. 125,802 total people um, experienced homelessness during that time. Um, so that means that some people um, might have just been homeless for a couple days. Some people stayed homeless. Um, so um, through other studies, through the point in time count and other studies that Chicago Coalition of the Homeless uh, had done, this is not on the slide, but probably any given day, there could be anywhere from 5,000 to 10,000 people experiencing homelessness in Chicago. Um, so that's a lot of people. That's a lot of people who don't have homes, who don't have somewhere to sleep, who um, don't know where they're going to get their next meal because they don't have all the things they need for stability. Um, so, um, <clears throat> so people living within families um, in, that de- in, in those numbers of, of homeless people, it was 63,153 people um, were living within families who were homeless um, during that period of time. Children and teens made up 43,958. That's how many children and teenagers experienced homelessness in Chicago just through 2015 fall and 2016 spring, that period of time. Um, And then single adults totaled uh, 46% of that uh, population, uh, homeless people. And now take all those numbers that I just gave you of, of how many people experienced homelessness um, and then uh, I want you to hear this. 1,701 emergency shelter beds were available during that time. 1,701 emergency shelter beds were available at that time. And this year, um, we probably have about the same. There, haven't been, there hasn't been a drastic increase in shelters or shelter beds. So you look at how many people are homeless and then how many shelter beds there are. So a lot of times people are like, well, why don't they just go to a shelter? Why are they sleeping out on the street? 
um, it would be impossible for every homeless person to go sleep in a shelter right now. That would just be impossible. Um, and the shelters are actually very, very packed right now. And they can be very scary, chaotic places in the middle of winter. Um, and I'm not dogging the shelters. They, they're doing a great job. They're doing what they need to do. But um, there just aren't enough shelters. Uh, and shelters aren't the solution to homelessness anyways. They're just temporary places. Um, so I'm going to move on. Um, demographics. So just to give you an idea of what kind of people are homeless, um, 76% of the homeless population, um, based on the point-in-time count that happened um, early January. Um, 76% of the homeless population that they found in homeless shelters um, were African Americans. Um, 11% were white, 10% were Latino, and that, that number actually could, could be different. Um, there are a lot of Latinos who are undocumented who are homeless, so it's kind of hard to really track down. Um, who all the Latino homeless people were in shelters, um, and 3% were other ethnicities. Uh, Chicago Public Schools reports that 98% of its homeless students um, were children of color. So African Americans, Latinos, 98% of the homeless students in CPS were, were black or Latino. 98%. Um, so um, that gives you a picture of what's happening with homelessness in Chicago. Um, you see there's a lot of children, um, and there's a lot of people who, who are minorities who experience it. Um, but regardless of your race or your age, um, being homeless is, is, is not a good experience. It's a bad experience, and you need help, you need support, you need compassion. And so that's why we do the open arms drop-in. That's the main reason why we exist, and we've been serving, um, doing this work for years. So I'm going to give you some really quick numbers of who we serve and how we serve them. Um, so we, we, you know, at the drop-in, just so you know, we offer a safe space where people can come and get a meal, to get a change of clothes, um, and we connect them to other resources. We, we tell them where shelters are. Sometimes we uh, have doctors who come and visit and give them medical care. So we offer a lot of really valuable resources um, at the drop-in center during our operating hours. So in uh, 2016, just uh, so far from the beginning of 2016 till now, uh, we've uh, given out over 1,200 pairs of socks to our homeless guests, over 500 pairs of pants, uh, over 1,200 shirts. Uh, more than 200 different people have attended our program for lunch since the beginning of the year. Some of those people have returned regularly. Some come once, um, but 200 different people. Um, and uh, since the beginning of the year at Open Arms, uh, at the drop-in, we've served over 3,100 lunches um, this year. Uh, so lunch is a really important thing. Uh, there aren't a lot of places for homeless people to get lunch in, in uh, the city of Chicago. There's a lot of places that serve dinner. But during the day, there just isn't a lot of stuff for homeless people. Um, and then just since we moved into this building and relaunched in September 6th, uh, 190 total guests have attended. So just since September, since we relaunched in, in our new building, uh, 190 different guests have, have attended. Um, 70 of those people have been attending regularly. We've had at least 35 new people who came for the first time since we moved into the, this building, and a lot of them have been coming back. And then um, lastly, uh, so since September 6th, when we launched this year, uh, we've served 839 lunches. Um, just uh, these past couple of months. That's how many lunches we've served to our guests. So this is a very valuable ministry, um, and we do a lot of, we serve a lot of people, and um, we offer a lot of uh, very basic services. Um, 
That's just a snapshot of what's going on. Okay, um, at the food pantry, I'm just going to summarize real quick what we do. Uh, from 4 p.m. to 6 p.m., then we have uh, individuals and families come in, and they're able to uh, get groceries. This is fresh fruits and vegetables. This is meat, fish, uh, chicken, uh, dairy products, uh, grains, and uh, really good, wholesome, nutritious food. Uh, we have uh, recently went from a bagging model to a um, a client choice model that gives them a little more dignity and where they can kind of have a grocery shopping experience. So we uh, we lay out all of the uh, food items or a lot of it because there's a lot of items in the pantry. But we get it all out and they are able to come and. Uh, and pick the foods and choose the foods that they want. And uh, they are very grateful. They leave out with literally two and three bags of grocery. Uh, they're able to come in. Uh, it's, at this point, it's uh, once a month, but they're very, very uh, grateful and happy, and we, are very, we feel very blessed to be able to have them to do it. So Lucy is just going to wrap us up in under two minutes, we promise, um, as she shares with how um, there's more tangible ways to get involved, as that was one of your main questions on the response cards that we received. Uh, We will have uh, people in the back table in the foyer, as well as a table downstairs in the fellowship hall for you to come and stop by and talk with us. Thank you. We have this same list in the back that you can pick up. I will just describe briefly. The drop-in kitchen needs help Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays, 10 to 2. We know that many of you work outside those hours. We have other opportunities. The pantry food setup, you can come from 2 to 4, like Dana and her children do, and assistant setup. Pantry food distribution, 4 to 6, and I think there's also a little cleanup time there. So you can stay, come at 6 and... Mop the floor if you'd like. Bread sort. Smells good. Every Sunday, Bosker from the suburbs brings us four to five to six large boxes of bread from Panera. And we need you to help us sort this after worship every Sunday. This gets boxed and is used for drop-in. Tom warms it lovingly. All the other bread is bagged. Jane and her children bag it. And by Wednesday afternoon, up to 200 loaves of bread have left this building. Uh, We are starting up food prep Monday evening. Some of you have done the cut and chop. That will start in January. We also are starting up clothing donations sorting Monday evening, uh, starting in January. But if you want to help Lynn do that before, he always has a stash. So just say, Lynn, when are you sorting next? And you can do clothing donation sorts. We still need an additional van driver. Um, And James and his team would like a little more help with unloading those two pallets and two tons of food. 
We also really would like a prayer team. Um, it's been a challenge to keep all of us um, strengthened and not discouraged on occasion. Um, so if prayer is your gift, please let Rachel know. Weekly clothing shopping. This is something you could do with your family at the thrift stores. Unique is open until 9 o'clock at night. Uh, Dave will give you a list, and you can do uh, weekly clothing shopping, and you are reimbursed. And you can also, this is for, again, for all families, for college students, for youth group, our youth group. Uh, you can volunteer at the Greater Chicago Food Depository, and for every hour you work, I believe they reimburse our account for $5. So you can make money for... Um, our account so that the food that we purchase will be free. Um, and there are other things. We have the holiday gift bags and dinner. Dave, I'm going to pass it to you. All right. So you've probably heard already about the holiday banquet. Every year we have the holiday banquet. This year is December 4th. So um, we've already had people sign up for food and getting gift bags. But basically the way it works is... Um, uh, it's a big event that we have in the fellowship har- hall, and we invite our, our homeless guests who come to open arms, and we invite anyone else who, who's in the community who would benefit from it. And we have our church community primarily provide the food. So you, you cook a turkey at home, and you bring it, or you cook some mashed potatoes. Um, and we just have sign-ups so that uh, we can keep it organized and know who's bringing uh, what food. But it's like a really big potluck, and so that we can um, love our guests really, really well during this holiday holiday season. So there's sign-ups in the back. There's also an online sign-up. Um, and in the insert, uh, there's an insert inside your bulletin that has all the information about the donation drive and the holiday banquet. But I will be in the foyer after the service um, helping you get gift bags. Um, we have gift bags that we give our guests at this event, and we need people to put the items in the gift bags. Um, Kid City decorated these beautiful bags, and there's a list of stuff that we want to give our guests at the banquet. So you get a bag, you put stuff in it, and you give it back to us, and we give it to our guests. Um, uh, I think we still need another 100 bags, approximately. So we really need people to step up and get some more bags. If you already got, if you already got some, get some more, please. Okay, at this time, uh, Pastor Caitlin will come up to pray for us. So if you're sitting next to someone who's a volunteer for Open Arms or someone you saw on stage, put a hand on them. We're going to pray for the team. Holy Spirit, we invite you here. We thank you for the ministry that you've given this church, the ministry you've given these people. I pray specifically for your hand to be on their lives, protecting them, giving them energy, sending them out um, to do your good work. Pray for everybody in the church this morning to grab a hold of your vision for this ministry and for that to sink deep in our hearts. As one person said, crack our hearts and let your vision and your, your heart for people that are in need, that are in poverty, in. Pray that that would be the overwhelming sense that we walk away with this morning. Each and every person would feel enabled and empowered to play a part. Lord, we're only um, as good as you make us, so we pray that your heart and your hand would be on each of our lives as we live out being a sent people following your heart and following what you're doing in our community. Thank you for all that you've blessed uh, this ministry, and we thank you for um, being thriving within what you're doing here. Amen. Let's respond in song.